you ask a disagreeable person what, what he wants, say, or she wants, they'll tell you right away. They, they know. It's like, this is what I want, and this is how I'm going to get it. But agreeable people, especially if they're really agreeable, are so agreeable that they often don't even know what they want. because they're. So here you go. Um, guys, by the way, think about whether you want to be agreeable or disagreeable based on what he's saying, okay? They're so accustomed to living for other people and to finding out what other people want and to trying to make them comfortable and so forth that it's harder for them to find a sense of their own desires as they move through life. And that's not... Look, there's situations where that's advantageous, but it's certainly not advantageous if you're going to try to uh, forge yourself a career. That just doesn't work at all. That's accurate. And um, so here's the thing, guys. And this is actually why men um, tend to have higher salaries than women, because they're more willing to negotiate for a higher salary. So there, again, it, it's, it's just a choice gap, right? There's no gender pay gap. Like... Um, by law, companies are required to pay men and women the same. But of course, men can negotiate a higher salary uh, and they tend to fight more, especially if they're disagreeable for a higher salary. No gender pay gap. It's a choice gap. And so even though on average, men and women don't, this don't, aren't that much different in terms of their levels of agreeableness by the group, if you go out and you look at the extremes, they're very different. So all of the most agreeable people are women and all of the most disagreeable people are men. And the thing is, the extremes are often what matter, rather than what's in the middle. And so one of the ways that's reflected in, in society, by the way, is there's way more men in prison. And the best personality predictor of being imprisoned is to be low in agreeableness. It makes you callous. Now, you may think, well, what's the opposite of compassion and politeness? And the answer to that is, I think it's best sort of conceptualized as a, as a trading game. So let's say that we're going to play repeated trading games. Oh, he's talking about the, the prisoner's dilemma, uh, where, where we go tit for tat. Um, anyway, let's see. And if you're very agreeable, then you're going to bargain harder on my behalf than you're going to bargain on your own behalf. Oh Whereas my God, imagine. Imagine being that kind of person that would bargain more on someone else's behalf than their own. Like, utterly ridiculous. Hello and welcome to Helios Blog. My name is Helios, here for another reaction video. If you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit the sub, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content, patreon.com slash the Helios Blog. Just go there and subscribe to the Nebula tier. Again, it's patreon.com slash the Helios Blog. Uh, or you could drop me a donation like Tom M. That'd be great. All right, let's continue. If you're very disagreeable, you're going to do the reverse. You're going to think, I'm in this trading game for me, and you are going to take care of your own interests, where an agreeable person is going to say, no, no, at best, this is, at, at worst, this has to be 50-50, but I'd like to help you every way I can. One of the things you have to be careful of if you're agreeable is not to be exploited, because you'll line up to be exploited. And I Indeed. And actually, in 2022, here is what girls do. Are you ready? Okay? Not all. Okay? Just caveat. Not all. But many. 18 to 28, okay? 18 to 28 years old. They go and they sleep around. They go and they party and they sleep around and they go from guy to guy to guy and they, you know, they destroy themselves. And then they get to 29, they get to 30, they get to 35 and they're like, oh no, I need to settle down. I need to find a guy to save me from my bad decisions. And so they find the most agreeable guy possible they marry that guy, and sometimes they even have a kid in tow. 
and they try to convince that guy to save her from her bad decisions. That's what this is, guys. You're trying to avoid being exploited. You're trying to avoid these user women. If she is not attracted to you in her prime, which means under 28, she, you don't, she, she doesn't deserve you in her decline. Keep that in mind, guys. I think the reason for that is because you're wired to be exploited by infants. And so that just doesn't work so well in that actual world. And one of the things, one of the things that happens very often in psychotherapy, you know, people come to psychotherapy for multiple reasons, but one of them is they often come because they're too agreeable. And so what they get is so-called assertiveness training, although it's not exactly assertiveness that's being trained. What it is is the ability to learn how to negotiate on your own behalf. And one of the things I tell agreeable people, especially if they're conscientious, is say what you think. Tell the truth about what you think. There's going to be things you think that you think are nasty and harsh. And they probably are nasty and harsh. But they're also probably true. And you need to bring those up to the forefront and deliver the message. And it's not straightforward at all because agreeable people do not like conflict. So here's the thing. Some people, they will talk to you and they will find out that you don't like conflict and they will use it to get the best deal possible out of you. So, for example, you'll go and you'll be, you know, in the friend zone with a girl. And because you don't like conflict, you don't like to be, you know, um, you, you won't tell the girl no. You won't tell her, no, I won't taxi you around. No, I won't buy you dinner. No, I won't talk to you for three hours every day. No. Because if you do that, who are you wrecking? You're wrecking yourself. You're not wrecking her. You're wrecking yourself. Not at all. They smooth the water. You know, and you can see, you can see why that is in accordance with the hypothesis that I've been putting forward. You don't want conflict around infants. It's too damn dangerous. You don't want fights to break out. You don't want anything to disturb the, the relative peace. You know, and if you're also more prone to being hurt physically and perhaps emotionally, you also may be loath to engage in the kind of high-intensity conflict that will solve problems in the short term. Because a lot of conflict, it takes a lot of conflict to solve problems in the short term. And, you know, if that can spiral up to where it's dangerous, which it can if it gets uncontrolled, it might be safer in the short term to keep the waters smooth and to not delve into those situations where conflict emerges. The problem with that is it's not a very good medium to long-term strategy, right? Because lots, lots of times there are things you have to talk about so here's the thing, and, and Jordan's right about this. Uh, my, the, the phrase I like to tell people is prevention is the best cure. So you have the hard conversations at the beginning so that you prevent the problems that happen later on. So you say the stuff that's on your mind so that you can prevent the bullshit of having to deal with the absolutely terrible um, result of... Um, you never saying no and never having boundaries. Because they're not going to go away. And the advantage to having a well-socialized, disagreeable person is that they really don't let much get in their way. So if you can get a kid who's disagreeable socialized, that person can be quite, quite the creature, you know, because they're very, they're very forward-moving in their nature and very difficult to stop. But if you don't get them successfully domesticated, tamed, roughly speaking, by the time they're four, their peers reject them. And that's a big problem because your job as a parent is to make your child socially desirable by the age of four. Like you, gotta, you, you wanna burn that into your brain 
because people don't know that. That's your job. And here's, here's why. You, you it's, it's easy if you think about it carefully. So you imagine you've got a, you've got a three-year-old child, so sort of halfway through that initial period of socialization, and you take that child out in public. Okay, what do you want for the child? Who cares about you? What do you want from the for the child? You want the child to be able to interact with other children and adults so that the children are welcoming and smile and want to play with him or her and so the adults are happy to see the child and treat him or her properly. And if your child's a horrible little monster because you're afraid of disciplining them or you don't know how to do that properly, then what they're going to do is they're going to experience nothing but rejection from other children and false smiles from other parents and adults. And that's, so then you're throwing the child out there into a world where every single face that they see is either hostile or lying. Ah, that's actually very wise and I never considered that. Uh, very interesting parenting advice. So again, the idea is this, you need to have frame, you need to have the ability to discipline the child and you need to not be afraid to discipline the child because if you don't, they literally live in an extremely hostile world. Aha, uh -huh, that's very interesting. And that's not something that's going to be particularly conducive to the mental health or the well-being of your child. Indeed. Your child can learn a couple simple rules of behavior, like don't interrupt adults when they're talking too much and pay attention and try not to hit the other kids over the head with the truck any more than is absolutely necessary, then, and, you know, and share and play properly. Then when they meet other kids, the, the kids are going to try out a few little play routines on them and that's going to go well and then they're going to go off and socialize each other for the rest of their lives. Because that's what happens, is that from four years old onwards, the primary socialization with children takes place among other children. And so if the kids don't get in on that early, they don't move into that developmental spiral upwards and they're left behind. And you can imagine how terrible that is, because a four-year-old will not play with another four-year-old who's two. But a five-year-old certainly will not play with a five-year-old who's two. I see. So the idea is if they're developmentally delayed in the respect of being, um, you know, able to play, then people will shun them. Their, their peers will shun them uh, if they're behind. Interesting. All right, let's, uh, let's read an article um, by Rolo Tomasi. Nice like me. Okay, this is a lib arts major. Generation AFC has done a great job of producing Brevik Cho, uh, Brevik Cho, Lofner, Sedini, Holmes, and now recently Lanza, among scores of others who've never got a body count high enough to make the news. Here's to a new generation of defects. Or how should I say products working as intended? Furious Ferret. This is just standard way of tearing down beta males. Most of the guys that are nice are generally nice guys, but being guys, they still want to uh, have bedroom fun. They were taught by women that being nice and respectful lead to being attractive, so they were brought up to behave this way. It's no uniqueness or virtue. For a woman to call nice guys as really horrible, disgusting perverts while rewarding the bad boy. Um, from my own personal experiences, this is another, another comment, I found that being nice does not equate to attraction from men. Actually, it's being nice man that doesn't equate to attraction from women. Nice women means sweet and pleasant. That is attractive. Nice is boring. That's exactly what women think. And the average person appears to need drama or maybe just more vivacity. No, it's the average woman who seeks drama. For a man coming home after a day of work, drama is the last thing he wants. It seems that a lot of men look for women, uh, look to women for something akin to entertainment. Again, swap, um, 
genders and it rings true. So when I wrote Play Nice, I elaborated upon the recent femme-centric trend of ridiculing self-professed nice guys. The notion of nice guys only using the, uh, the moniker as a ruse for an asshole-ish reality has been a staple response for alpha-burned women for decades now. However, an interesting threshold is being crossed when a globalized internet society begins a campaign of mass ridicule of nice guys. Nice guys of OK Cupid is one such effort. While I've come to expect women's rationalizations about nice guys as foils for attention needs, what... Uh, this illustrates is an escalation in beta male infighting. Some have called this ridicule cyberbullying on a global scale, but there's more to this than that. The progression from rebuking forum or white knight to online attack blogger is evidence of a new comfort level the femisphere has in sowing discord amongst the beta orbiters they rely on for femicentric male affirmation. Nice Guys of OK Cupid is really a clever new twist on Dalrock's proposition of let's you and him fight. In viscerally exposing OK Cupid's nice guy profile pictures and pairing them up with subjectively contradicting statements about being nice guys, Nice Guys of OK Cupid is attempting to define what makes a guy genuinely nice based on the terms that indicate feminine supremacy. If you peruse the sampling of Nice Guys case subjects on the blog, you'll begin to see a pattern form. Uh, a is a most likely out of context declaration of nice guyness paired with some horribly incongruent statement about expectations of women's legs being shaved or men being the head of the household. The social experiment that Nice Guys of OK Cupid is involved in starts with its effects in qualifying nice as being compliant with what best serves the feminine imperative. Do you like the feel of a woman's smooth legs that she painstakingly shaves seven times a week? You're not a nice guy. Do you believe that men should be confident, decisive heads of the household? You're not a nice guy. In fact, if you indicate on your profile any belief that is inconsistent with absolute egalitarian gender neutrality, you're not a nice guy. For all the semantic debates the manosphere gets in over the proper usage of nice for men, the binary nature of the femisphere is definitive. If a belief is contradictory to the feminine imperative, it is decidedly not nice. Alright, back to this Jordan Peterson. Because the gap is just starting to get unbelievably large. And so the kids start out behind, and then the peers leave them behind, and then those kids are alienated and outside the peer group for the rest of their life. Those are the ones that grow up to be long-term antisocial. They're already aggressive. It doesn't dip down. Now, what happens to normal boys, roughly speaking? Imagine the aggressive two-year-old types. They get socialized, so their level of aggression goes down. And then they hit puberty, and testosterone kicks in, and bang, levels of aggression go back up. And so that's why males are criminals between the ages roughly of 16 and about 25. So, and it matches the creativity curve, by the way. It's so cool. If you look at the spike of creativity among men, 16 to 25. Oh, by the way, guys, I don't know if you know this, um, but creativity has a lot to do with the bedroom fun drive. And there's a reason for it. It's because creativity is attractive. So men in competition to become superior, you know, in a hypergamous sense uh, for women to, you know, to get access to reproduction, uh, spike in creativity. It's actually, that's, that's very cool. And it starts to go down. Criminality matches that absolutely perfectly. So that's quite cool. So, and oh, I didn't mention this as well. Um, criminality is actually also attractive to women. <laughs> so these are just different, different ways that um, guys are basically competing for access to bedroom fun. Uh, by the way, um, um, supported by empirical evidence is the idea that um, criminal men have a higher offspring count. They, they tend to have more children by more different women. 
Um, so again, you can't say that criminality is not attractive because the, the biological data uh, supports it. So yeah, there you go. Part of, so the testosterone levels raise, raise the average level of aggression among men. It's more dominance than aggression, actually, and testosterone is by no means all bad. And then it starts to decrease at about age 25 or 26, which is usually when men stop staying up late at night, stop drinking as much, develop a full-time career, and take on the burdens and responsibilities and opportunities that are associated with a long-term partner and family. And so, well, so that's, that's the development of, of, of what, I, what I would call predatory aggression, because I also think that the, the agreeableness distribution is probably something like predatory aggression versus maternal sympathy. It's something like that. So if you look at other, if you look at other mammals that are, that are predators, because we're predators as well as prey animals, if you look at other animals like bears, the male bear has absolutely nothing to do with the raising of the infants. In fact, the female bears will keep the male the hell away because he's likely to kill the infants and maybe even to eat them. So there's no maternality at all in solitary male mammalian predators. It's really useful to investigate the viewpoints of people who have opposing views to yours. Because they'll tell you things, not only will they tell you things you don't know, they'll also tell you how to see the world in ways that you don't see it. Uh, oh, there's more. Um, oh, with regards to... Uh, okay. Let me, let me comment on this, uh, on this animal thing. So, the reason that I believe that, that um, you know, men um, are actually interested in parental investment is because, first of all, we're a social species. But why are we a social species? We're a social species because, uh, you know, we're not that strong. We're not that superior bi uh, biologically to other animals other than uh, our intelligence, right? Our, our ability to, to create stuff, to, to basically tool making is our, is our, you know, is our specialty uh, along with uh, running long distances slowly. Um, but the reason why, like, you know, men are interested in a child rearing at all in raising children uh, is because the, the babies have big heads so kids are born right and they're helpless and so because they're helpless the the women that have to take care of them are also kind of helpless and so they need protection and so over time you know men that protected uh you know gave a higher survival chance to both the women and the children which actually increased the fecundity, which is the ability to have more children, of those children and, and you know, perpetuated that in the population. Um, so there you go. All right, uh, let's continue. And they'll also have skills that you don't have. That you oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, talking to people that have opposing viewpoints. Something else is this, um, you know, like YouTube comments and stuff. I actually really like when people, like, uh, you know, insult me or tell me stuff about me that they don't like. Uh, because there's always like a hint of truth to it, right? Like some people are, are you know, unless they're just straight up ad hominem attacks, um, a lot of the stuff can, and not only do I listen to it, I actually, I actually try to learn from it because I'm trying to have a successful channel and you do that by absorbing criticism. And here's the thing. If you're not able to take criticism, you'll never be able to grow and improve as a person. So uh, basically I just take it and, if, if I think it's stupid, I don't listen. But if I think it's smart or relevant, I will actually listen. Even if you don't like me, it doesn't matter. I'll take what I need from you.
So <laughs> please keep commenting, even if it's negative. I don't mind at all. In fact, I appreciate it. You could develop. So, for example, if you're an introverted person, it's very useful to watch an extroverted person because the extroverted person has ways of being in the social world that aren't natural to you. Right. That you can use as to improve your toolkit. And if you're disagreeable, one of the best things to do with disagreeable people, especially if that's alienating them from other people, for example, because it can, you know, people treat you like you're a selfish, arrogant son of a, maybe that's because you are. It's like, okay, so what do you do about that? One of the, one of the most uh, promising treatments, let's say, for that is get the person to do something for someone else once a day, just as a practice, and learn how to do it. Maybe you can wake the circuit up, you know, if you think that it's lying dormant in you, which is probably right. You know, I think we have a very wide range of propensities within us. Some are switched on, genetic propensities. Some are switched on, but I think that if you put yourself in the right situation or walk yourself through the right exercises, you can switch some of these other things on as well. Almost certainly true. I, uh, yeah, that's, that's almost certainly true. Um, because the brain is very plastic, right? Uh, and when I say plastic, I mean the brain is able to change shape depending on what you do. So changing what you do changes your brain physically. Changing how you think changes your brain physically. So yes, that's why exposure therapy and stuff works. You know, like you're scared of a spider, uh, but you know, you have a literal phobia, arachnophobia, scared of spiders. Exposing people to spiders helps them to, you know, change the way that their brain responds to this and once the brain changes how it responds to something, it literally is physically changed. The the brain itself is. So, you know, there's little like cracks and um, folds in the brain physically change, interestingly enough. But it takes work and, and, and dedication and discipline. I would say, generally speaking, if you want to adapt yourself properly to life, you should find a niche in the environment that corresponds with your temperament. Right? You shouldn't work at cross-purposes to your temperament because it's just too damn difficult. But having done that, then you should work on developing the, the skills and, and viewpoints that exist in the space opposite to your personality. Because that's where you're fundamentally underdeveloped. And that way I think you can extend out your temperamental capability across a wider range. And so what he's saying is the following. Uh, let's say you're like an athlete, right? Um, so you would do something sports related as your job and then maybe you don't like math or whatever. So, you know, maybe you start studying chess because chess is a very mathematical type game. You know, it's a very st studying calculation heavy game. It's something that could complement your, uh, your temper, uh, you know, your temperament, literally complement. I mean, help you to develop the opposite part of your temperament. That's, that's actually very good advice. Yeah, Jordan's got a lot of nice stuff. Look at that. Okay. Okay, we've already done the nice guys. Let's read this article here on Reddit. I, male 23, went through my girlfriend's female 22 phone and saw something I didn't like. I know I shouldn't have, but I had a moment of weakness. We've been together 10 months. I saw her messages to a guy she was friends with benefits a few years back before we were dating. She was messaging him during our relationship, by the way. Guys, that's a red flag, glaring red flag. If she's messaging her friends with benefits, it means they're sleeping together. Like, that's, that's a red flag, okay? Just so you know. I don't mind her talking to guys from her past as long as she's respectful and has put her past behind her. 
And I know she's spoken to him a couple of times, but they were talking about the relationship and reminiscing how she used to give him head and they would cuddle and how good the bedroom fun was. She said how they were being exclusive, although not committed to a relationship, but they would have been jealous if they were seeing other people at the time. She also said if he was around, she wouldn't have started seeing me. IMO, it's really unfaithful uh, to be talking to him this way and I want to be to confront her, but I don't want to admit I went through a phone. What can I do? Uh, what you can do is ghost immediately because she had this conversation which means you're the beta and she's and, and and that guy's the alpha, right? You're second best. We're not out here dating girls and, and we're second best in her eyes. If you are not the absolute top option in her mind, it's over. By the way, uh let me let me talk about this Patrice O'Neill quote, uh the it's a numbers game. Yeah. It's a numbers game. Just go and find another girl. Alright, let's look at the top comment here. 148 upvotes. You don't have to say anything about going through a phone. You can be ambiguous and say something open-ended like, I know that you want to be with, insert the guy's name, and I deserve to be with someone that respects me and wants to be with me. Then end the relationship. Her conversations were at the very least massively disrespectful of you, and it's more than likely an ongoing emotional affair. No, it's a physical affair, 100%. You can do better. Uh, Yeah, look, 102 upvotes, exactly what I said. You are plan B. Uh, 19 upvotes. Exactly. Don't be a space holder for somebody. Just dump her. She can't respect you behind your back. You don't owe her any answers. Yeah, I wouldn't even have the conversation. I would just ghost. Like, oh, you're cheating on me? You you don't think I'm the best you can do? You're you're being disrespectful? See ya. Um, Okay, Uh, let's see. Five upvotes. Dump her ass. You don't even have to tell her about what you found. Just say you want to move on. Literally. Uh, five upvotes. You're a consolation prize for her. Are you really okay with that? I wouldn't be. And neither would I, guys. And I will never recommend that you be number two. All right, guys. We're going to end the video there. Again, if you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit the sub, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content, patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Just go there and subscribe to the Nebula tier. Again, it's patreon.com slash the Helios blog. You could also drop me a donation like Tom M. Shout out to him. Again, guys, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to the content, especially if you took the time to listen through the whole video. Really do appreciate it, guys. You're wonderful. And I will see you next time.